Hello and welcome to the Ask Dr. Ben podcast. I'm your host, Ben Johnson. As a holistic-minded physician, I've spent the last 20 years looking outside the box and conducting research to find the true causes of skin conditions and other diseases. And while the focus of my work has been on aesthetic medicine and unlocking the secrets to reversing skin damage, this podcast will also include many other exciting revelations pertaining to you and your family's health and well-being. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ask Dr. Ben. I'm going back to my roots today, and I'm not exactly sure what I'm calling this episode, but what I want to call it is don't do it. Please don't do it. There's so many decisions being made right now uh, by people who trust their physician's advice or their potentially their esthetician's advice and move forward with sort of the group think of society today. And today's episode is all about the strategies to fight aging that you should absolutely not do. And so I hope you find this helpful. Share it with friends who have an addiction to whatever the poison is on my list. And hopefully we can change this industry. And one of my always, one of my tenets has been when I got back into this game. I so just to recall, I was doing aesthetic clinic. So yes, I was part of the problem for a while there. I was doing acid peels. I was doing laser procedures. It was primarily laser hair removal, but I did do some laser skin resurfacing, doing Botox injections and filler, but it was a different filler at the time. So been there, done that. I personally have been through some experiences, which I'm not shy to talk about. You know, we all learn from our mistakes. So 20 years ago, I tried Botox once, did not like it. About 18 months ago, I tried filler once, did not like it. In fact, it still haunts me today. I'll share that. And then I even tried threading with this false interpretation in my brain that with enough active ingredients, I could get the threading effect to hold. And I've had an upper blepharoplasty. So all in, uh, I've tried some different things. I have, you know, I guess I do have, you know what? I have no regrets because I really, you'll hear from me how it kind of propelled me in my understanding of what uh, should and should not be done. But I was already seeing it. So, you know, where does all this start? This starts from being in this industry for 20 years, uh, having a pretty holistic mindset almost out of the gate. And, you know, I did manufacture some, some harsher chemical peels in the early days because I wasn't, you know, as always, I never stop learning, never stop asking questions, never stop seeking for the best outcomes possible. And so, yeah, I made a blueberry TCA. Yeah. That blueberry just took all the trauma away. It was so wonderful. Not, I had, uh, you know, different, different peels. So we're going to get into this list And I don't know if the right word is to fight aging, you know, aging is inevitable. I totally embrace it. You know, with aging comes wisdom, with wisdom comes more joy. So hopefully in your life with every wrinkle, you have more joy, more wisdom, more, how should we say, sort of quiet contentment throughout your daily practices. But that being said, 
I will acknowledge being vain. I care about how I look. It's part of my business. I do uh, probably more than most men apply skincare twice a day. <laughs> I take uh, my wellness products and I take a couple of other little supplements. So I'm always trying to propel my health to the standard I hold. I hold a very high standard for myself. Uh, I had to go through a whole process of being less critical, which I also advise you. So all of this, you know, with all these podcasts and Insta Lives and, you know, when the book comes out, hopefully by the end of the year, I want to encourage you to do two things. One is uh, radical self-compassion friend of mine has instilled that into my brain, radical self-compassion. And that was one of the many things I had to learn, you know, because I'm naturally critical looking to make progress. So I have to sort of assess all the damage before I can assess my progress. And that became a practice of criticizing. And it was a bad practice that I have almost completely escaped from at this point, thank goodness. But at the same time, you know, all of us in wanting to better ourselves, to improve how we look so that we, what I would say, age gracefully, that is a process that does require an honest assessment of where you're at. And it does require making good strategic decisions on the choices to stay young. And I can tell you, it's hard to find good advice. Like, you know, I, I think there's a ton of amazing dermatologists, but so many dermatologists are caught up in group think, not really focused on the long-term aspect of any particular situation, the potential health side effects of some of the medications they're prescribing. And I'm just against it. I don't get it. And this concept of trauma, I think there's a little bit of short-sightedness and I'm just going to just going to say it like greed permeates this medical arena. And so what ends up happening is you might invest in a $150,000 laser because everyone else you know has and because you sat through a lecture where the marketing team of that laser company made a pretty compelling story. And, and remember, you haven't departed from the groupthink train. So it's very easy to go, well, yeah, so last year I was using that laser and this one looks like it's just a little better than that one last year. So I could see why I would want it. But better in what way? Like, what's the end game here? Is is trauma really the solution to rejuvenation? I've been challenging that from day one. I'm going to keep challenging it. And that's a little bit about what today, a lot about what today's about, actually. So hopefully this guide resonates within you. You make the right decisions for you. You recognize where the flaws are in the system, in the assessment of what's actually causing the aging, in the assessment of what it actually takes to help reverse aging, in the assessment of which procedures bring you closer back to your original beauty and which ones take you further away. And so we'll look at it from that lens because that's the only lens I have anymore. And that's not true. I mean, I can absolutely, I guess the right word would be empathize with the medical community as someone comes in. I mean, I had the lasers, right? I, I made the calls like that. I, it's not hard to feel comfortable, you know, sitting within 90% of all the dermatologists in your belief system. That's a very comfortable place to be. I've been out on the edge for, oh my gosh, probably, yeah, 10 to 15 years. And I'm comfortable there too. It's certainly, uh, you know, a harder path on occasion. But anyway, I'm not here 
to complain because I love where I've landed. I love the results we're getting. I, I believe the advice I'm about to give you is absolute truth. It'll make sense to you when you understand, again, how amazing your body is, that your body is always just in adaption mode. It's adapting to every new environmental change, every uh, nutritional change, every poison exposure that you might get knowingly or unknowingly. And so it's a matter of working through that and going, wait a minute, it's not broken. It's just it's adapting to its, its new situation. So... Let's jump right in. We're going down to the top 10. And I guess this list is, I'm going to go backwards from 10. This list is enumerating the, there's less offensive, but still offensive things that are not on the list. Obviously, I only chose 10 topics, but let's just say that I think I'd leave the top part of this list up to number one being the things that I think are most commonly causing the most significant damage. And here we go. Number 10 steroids steroids such a such a poorly understood substance we're talking about corticosteroids so these are steroids that like cortisone right dexamethasone you know these creams and pills that people take when they're inflamed because it helps the inflammation and it's so funny because of course who was i just talking to i was talking to a friend of mine who had gone to the doctor and she was trying to express to the doctor, well, but doesn't this steroid hurt me because it's suppressing my immune system? And the doctor with great confidence and vigor responded, no, no, you know, because inflammation is bad. And, you know, essentially I'm, I'm summarizing, I wasn't there, but yes, that is such a pervasive thought pattern in our culture and it is could not be more wrong inflammation is not bad inflammation is repair what was bad was what triggered the inflammation and so that is either a pathogen a wound a toxin or an emotion that is what was bad. Watching the body interact and all the immune cells go crazy, depending on the situation, is not the problem. So inflammation is synonymous with repair. And so when they talk about, oh, you've got inflammatory markers, well, you've got immune cell markers and your immune system is brilliant brilliant. Like, oh my gosh, if you just knew the number of different cells they've identified, you know, I've been diving in a bit to watching how they report their viral research and just reading about immune cells that I never knew existed. And they're just thousands and thousands and thousands of them. You just have to sit back in awe as you watch these adaptations to the environment and your body does it does share information. I believe, you know, this is not a commonly believed concept, but I believe like they've proven that, you know, when they put rats in a, in a maze, the next generation of rats seem to know how to do the maze better. And there's this sharing of information that is in the conscious stream. And that information is so like, it's a wealth of knowledge. Your DNA is like an antenna by many quantum physics experts analysis. And it's drawing that information and in, sharing it with the cells of the body. It's just one big, huge, monstrous operation. And when you use steroids, you are shutting that operation down. You are interfering with the process. It's not something that you want to 
consider if you can help it at all. And I get it. If you're dying an anaphylactic reaction, this may not apply. There are going to be instances where I'm certainly not advising you to avoid steroids. What I'm advising you to do is to think every time about it, like, really, is this really necessary for me? Go to that inner voice, you know, follow your intuition and and it'll be hard sometimes. So for example, perioral dermatitis is a common problem that I think is linked to constipation in most cases. And steroid creams on the surface of that skin are the number one prescription that is provided to these people who go to their uh, doctor for it. Rashes, steroids often prescribed, acne, steroids injected and or uh, sometimes prescribed. There's just a misunderstanding so often when the skin has rashy redness inflammation that, oh, that's bad and we need to suppress what's going on as opposed to figuring out what virus caused that rash or what toxin exposure caused that rash. Was it bleach? Is the rash on the chest? It Was it a virus? Is that rash on the torso? You know, these are not skin problems. You know, again, there's just a, we've been trained in medical school to think more superficially. And um, when you realize everything is related to a toxin, pathogen, or emotion, that changes the game. So the number 10, absolutely the do not do strategy is steroids. And here's the main reason I put this in aging. Oh man, the outcomes of people who chronically apply steroids to their skin are horrendous. Their skin scars down, it thins it ages dramatically. The results of people who are on chronic steroids, inhalers for their asthma, for example, it affects their immune system. They age more rapidly. And, you know, it's the problem is your body's amazing. So, you know, aging more rapidly may not show up as obvious until you're 10 or 20 years into this chronic steroid use. And then it's like, oh, no going back now. Like I've lost it. So I put uh, steroids at number 10 as the uh, one thing that I think a lot of people assume is good for the skin, that it calms the skin when in fact it actually dramatically ages the skin and internal steroids dramatically age the body. Okay, number nine, number nine in the list of often used but mistakenly used strategies are scrubs. I was just singing in my head. Scrubs don't get no love. What is that song? Anyway, I actually like that scrub song. But yeah, so scrubs are exfoliants, things that are uh, physical abrasive materials that tear skin layers off, tear the uh, lipid barrier off. And they are another highly misunderstood application. And why do I say it's misunderstood? Because most people think when they have dry skin, when and their dry skin is flaky in particular oh my goodness if you have flaky dry skin of course you should have a scrub because you got to get this flaky dry skin off to reveal the less flaky skin underneath it's still going to be dry like i i don't know why people have convinced themselves that once they scrub away the flake that somehow they've addressed the dry if the skin's flaky and i'm putting aside sort of appealing reaction to stimulation the skin's flaky, it's dry, it's a deep dryness and needs to be addressed at a different level than a scrub. And a scrub actually makes your skin more dry. So it's kind of crazy. And, you know, I know on the body, like, it's, oh, but I want smooth. I'm going on a date tonight. I want to scrub that skin smooth. Okay. Okay. If you're going to 
you know, have that moment. It's not the end of the world, I guess I should say. This is, you know, remember, we're on the low end of the list here. We're not in the end of the world decision-making stuff. But it is, it's just not healthy, as healthy for the skin as you think. Now, there's this strategy called dry brushing, which I get. And if you want to kind of understand it from a detox perspective, what you're doing there is by shedding the layers of your skin, you're forcing your skin to have to turn over more quickly to go back and replace the barrier. And in that turnover, the skin is more likely to pull some toxins out. So there is sort of this skin detox event and the skin is the largest detox organ in the body. So there's sort of this mini skin detox event that comes with dry brushing that, you know, if you want to do that once a month, it's not so bad. I'm not going to, you know, this is all not, uh, not horrendous stuff, but just understand that it's not a practice that should be done routinely. Your skin generally is struggling to keep up because of the nutrient deficiencies in its dermis and the circulation declines. So it's already struggling to keep up. Part of the reason, by the way, that it might feel dry. And that's always the irony. There's so many things we're doing in society that are actually worsening the result of why we're doing them. And, you know, someday in the book, in the book, I'm going to have my, my longer list. Some of it shocks Jacques, even me, when I realize what we shouldn't be doing. But as it comes to the face, you know, a lot of people think, oh, it's so good to polish that skin right up. It feels tighter because you've stripped away the lipids with that scrubbing, exfoliating action. There's sort of a glow. There's a redness to the skin because the skin is now like, oh, geez, we got some work to do. Circulation cranks up. There's a little flushing involved. You might even, with the scrub, sort of beat the skin up a little bit, and that might lead to a little plumping. And so now you even have your fine lines looking a little better. And you're like, wow, this is so refreshing. My goodness, look at the glow on my skin and I should do this more often. But you have now jumped out of your grounded state and you are thinking with your brain, letting your eyes deceive you because what you're seeing is a image that is created by harming the skin. Yes, in fact, every time you exfoliate your skin, you force nutrients that might have been there to keep your wrinkles from getting deeper into the epidermal layers because the skin puts that as a priority once the barrier starts getting damaged it becomes a priority over the dermis and there's a shortage of nutrients as it is so you're always going to be stealing resources when you do this and then of course there's the fact that when you scrub that skin off, you have uh, increased sun damage when you go outside, you have increased water loss because the lipids are gone and they're there. That's what's holding your water and your skin best. And there's the sensitization factor because now more things can get into your skin, like milia show up on the face, these little white bumps under the eyes typically, because that's the most common thin zone to be abused that also gets some extra makeup and the makeup is usually causing milia. And so, yeah, the milia gets in because the follicles are more exposed because the whole barrier has been compromised. So yes, compromising your barrier, not a good idea. Scrubs, not something you should consider to be a healthy thing. Now, if you go into your esthetician once a month and you get a facial and there's a deep clean and a scrub, that's totally fine with me. I'm really talking about that daily application of product, that idea that, oh, I really need to remove the dead skin, okay? I, I said this before to you, I think. If you haven't heard it, here it is. You have 15 layers of stratum corneum roughly when you are born, 
and you have 15 layers of stratum corneum when you die. And there are no real extra layers. Yes, there's extra layers on your feet because your body intelligently puts them there because of the sheer pressure of walking and the weight and all of that. There are extra layers on your palms because of similar reasons. It is theoretically, I think what it really just is, is you you don't have extra layers on your stratum corneum, but you might have dry dryness because of a loss of lipids. And so it seems like it's extra. The skin doesn't look particularly good because the turnover has slowed for this or that reason. But no, the idea of removing that is not what you want to do. What you instead want to do is figure out how to get the lipid barrier back on. Then your skin feels soft and smooth. And then, of course, we work on all the things osmosis works on to improve your texture and your color and your nutrient levels and your circulation levels. And all that stuff kicks into high gear. And next thing you know, you're stunning. You're walking around with the glow like you're well, I was thinking of like a, that glow of being newly in love, but I'm not sure. I don't know. That might be a glow. Okay. Number eight. Number eight on the list of please don't do this, please. Vitamin A. Please don't just don't use a regular vitamin A. This is number eight because it's so common. Everyone has been brainwashed into believing that vitamin A is a necessary part of a skincare routine, and it's not that simple. Nothing is quite that simple when it comes to the skin, right? It's so complicated. The skin has several different types of vitamin A stored in it, and each type of vitamin A does its own thing. And a lot of the vitamin A's aren't meant to come through the surface skin. And that's just how it is. Like plain old retinol. Retinol comes in two forms. It's called cis retinol or trans retinol, but plain old retinol is usually 50% cis and 50% trans. So that's retinol. Now, if you just use trans retinol, it's more keratolytic. It's more stimulating to the epidermis. It might even be arguably more harmful now that I think about it. But it tends to trigger more peeling and then you get the wounding, which and say, wait, what you're like, what, what wounding? Okay, so when you put retinols in your skin, they have about a 2% absorption rate which means that the bulk of it is thankfully not going into your skin anyway. (laughs) Number one problem of retinols, they don't penetrate well. So of that 2% of the molecules that do make it in, those get stuck in there as well. Like they don't make it all the way down. Most of them are not making it to your dermis because your dermis isn't looking for that nutrient load, number one. Number two, they get oxidized on the way down. And even if you're applying these serums at night, they're still there the next day when you're in the sun, then they oxidize, then they cause DNA damage. So what I'm telling you is if you're choosing a vitamin A, that's not what the skin uses to make collagen, then that vitamin A is not going to make collagen for you, right? So retinols, by everything I can read in all the research, retinols are not the collagen molecule. They're not the thing, you know, and and yes, you can get caught up in the science and go, but they can turn into that collagen molecule. They certainly can. So does beta carotene, but no one's rubbing beta carotene on their face. Beta carotene turns into retinol with, you know, a couple of modifications. So trust me when I say the vitamin A choice you makes matters and there's only one choice and it's retinaldehyde and every other choice that you make 
is a choice of uh, something that's wounding your skin to get a result. You can prove it to yourself. You might be looking in the mirror going, but wait, I love my vitamin A. I see that my fine lines are better. What's Dr. Johnson talking about? I don't see my skin. It doesn't look wounded. Yeah, it's true. Subtle wounding doesn't typically create this massive inflammatory reaction. So most of the time you're not going to see redness. You might not even see irritation, especially once your skin sort of acclimates to the poisoning. But what is happening in there is DNA damage. What is happening in there is a false sense of anti-aging caused by edema, by fluid in your epidermis, making your, your lines look more plump. And I will show that to you by asking you to stop using it. Stop it. Watch what happens in the first week. I don't know if the entire inflammation is gone in a week or if it's two weeks. You might need to stop it for two weeks. And you tell me if your lines did actually get better in the long term. Because what is the point of wounding your skin every day if there's no long-term gain to it? It just doesn't make sense to me. And so when you use retinaldehyde, it's a thousand times stronger at making collagen. It's equal as Retin-A to making collagen. But Retin-A is a disaster for your epidermis. Retin-A is actually a disaster for your dermis. It thins the skin by 18%. It's not the vitamin A choice you want. So this use of retinol, oh, I actually have Retin-A in my list higher up. So sorry if I cheated in on that one. But yeah, so retinol is used by such a high number of people and it has a skin drying effect. So it dehydrates your epidermis. It has a, a skin aging effect because its own of its own oxidative damage that it causes, but also because of the exfoliating keratolytic defect, it's called, where it removes your barrier so that when you go in the sun, you're sun sensitized. By the way, this is 24-7. I don't care if you use it at night. That is also the case. Like, let's say you put a vitamin A on your skin at night and it sheds a one layer off of your 15 layers. When you get up in the morning, that layer's not back. It's not there. And you go outside, so your skin is now has less reflection of the sun, has more damage. And again, you know I love the sun, so I'm just speaking on the excess sun category there. I don't mean to say as soon as you go in the sun, it's about damaging. But it is more damaging when you're on vitamin A. So yes, retinol, retinyl palmitate, retinyl acetate, cis-retinol, trans-retinol, adapalene, for, you know, commonly prescribed for acne. That's the main list of, of what's being used out there. And I'm telling you, that is a net negative in your fight against aging. The reason why my list is the absolutely nots is because all of these are making you older. All of these are leading to faster aging. That's the irony of it is these are some of the most popular things used in this planet and they are the leading to more rapid aging. Okay. I have moved past number eight. I'm on number seven. Number seven is alpha hydroxy acids and or the Jesner peel. So I'm including in this category people who use alpha hydroxy and beta hydroxy acids, beta hydroxy salicylic acid, but alpha hydroxy says lactic glycolic for the most part and what malic, at, but not too many people are using high doses of malic. And then the peels you do on a, a monthly basis, typically, or every other month or whatever your favorite thing to do is because you go in and you get your facial, you love to be spoiled, you love to be touched, your skin feels firm and taut and glowy after you're done with that facial. But in fact, if they were using acids on you, it promoted aging. Again, 
going in and getting exfoliated once a month, not the end of the world. But if you add to that acid burns, actually burning your skin with acids, then of course you might have a problem. So we are looking at a situation where on a daily basis, people apply alpha hydroxy acids. You know why they do that? Because their wrinkles look better. It makes their wrinkles look better. But then in when you say, well, doesn't, isn't that the point? Is, is it making collagen? Yeah. Yeah. I think there is a little bit of collagen being made because you're peeling off your epidermal barrier and the dermis, which is short on collagen molecules, which is struggling to keep up with the collagen in your dermis, which is the true wrinkle component of your skin is now having to divert those precious collagen molecules up to the epidermis because you just shed them away. You're like, hey, this is a nice barrier, but let me take a few sections off. That totally distracts the skin, diverts that manufacturing. But you throw into that, if you're getting really aggressive with those acids, they work their way all the way down to the DEJ and they burn your DEJ. So that's permanent tissue you're now burning. And what happens when you repeatedly burn your DEJ, you get age spots, you get bad texture changes, you start to get some pitting, you start to see, you know, your epidermal barrier becomes less and less capable of forming a healthy, hydrated self. So you start to see increased dehydration or at least a propensity for dehydration and or you go in and you're like hit me with the good stuff quote unquote good stuff and they throw down layers of peels on your skin and they might even microderm your face first so that that peel can just suck right in and burn the bejesus out of deeper layers and it's a no 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 burning was what middle ages it's a form of, of torture in most cultures. It's the, when do we decide that the skin likes to be burned? I don't know how we got there. It's pretty amazing, right? It really is amazing when we, we're going to look back in hopefully 10 years, but maybe it's going to be another 20, 30 years and we'll be like, what? What did we do? It's like kind of like the way we look at bloodletting today. You did what? You drained blood out of people and you think that's going to make them healthier? Well, back then it was a hell yes. And that's what <laughs> there's a hell yes going on right now with acid peels. So, yes, we have a problem here, people. And so you need to move away from that. Of course, here at Osmosis, we have a facial infusion, which is an amazing sort of 30-day collagen activating peel. I call it a peel because about a third of people see some some sloughing from all the stimulation. But really what it is, it's a rejuvenation, activation, you know, it's starting to sound like marketing word. It is, it is a, it's a feeding of a very important part of your skin, which is a really sort of this, it's because there's so much retinaldehyde in that treatment and there's a ton of niacinamide dilating your skin and there's a ton of chlorella activating collagen from a different pathway and four or five other collagen activators in it. It's just generating this collagen activation with no burn, with no wound, with no harshness, with no shedding of the surface. So you don't even have a sun sensitivity issue uh, after this treatment. So that's what I prefer. All I can tell you is I promise you, you're not getting younger in the slightest by doing those acid peels. There's no advantage to it. So I generally put a limit on acid. I say don't do more than 5% 
on a daily application basis of uh, L-lactic acid. I, I think L-lactic acid has the nice benefit of being a natural moisturizing factor. So as it traps in your skin, it actually draws water. As long as you're not using too much, that you're damaging your barrier. So there's that fine line. You know, within osmosis, we have a product called Polish, which is just barely <laughs> over the over the top there at 6% L-lactic acid. I haven't played with it because it's a fan favorite. But a lot of people mistake that because it's in my line, it's something that they can use regularly and I just don't want you to overdo it. You know, maybe once a week, don't leave it on for too long. You know, don't be too aggressive with your skin. And of course, each person, it's not great for sensitive skin. So you want to make sure your barrier is healthy before you get onto that. But yes, it is true that if you look at the studies of these acid peels, you might see some evidence that the skin after a six layer Jesner's triggered collagen at a higher level. But again, that's what happens when the skin immediately goes to emergency fix mode and says, we've got a whole barrier that's burned down to the ground. We need to do something about that. Now, uh, the AHA Jesners are definitely the most common peels being done out there because estheticians are still outnumbering derm clinics and this is what they're allowed to do. We're going to talk a little bit later on the list about some more aggressive peels and how they affect the skin. These are typically considered superficial, but superficial, depending on how aggressive they are. Like if you do a 10%, 15% lactic that, and a lot of it has to do with with a pH of the product, it might not burn its way down all the way to the DEJ. It's still going to cause a whole lot of sloughing and uh, extra work for the skin, but not nearly as end of the world as it would be when you get more and more aggressive. And, you know, like I don't like the concept of microdermabrasion and then, you know, a a 20% HA is just too aggressive. All right. So I think we're going to have to split this list up. You think I would plan for this? Thought I'd be done with the list already. (laughs) I think I'm going to go ahead and do number six because it's a segues right into it. And that is now the more aggressive peel. So these are the peels that you're looking at, like the TCA peel and the phenol peel. This is where you go to the doctor and you're like, well, I get my peels at the dermatologist because I want real results or I want the super deep results. But here's where it gets kind of scary is these TCA and phenol peels that they are doing at the doctor's offices are burning your skin down into the papillary dermal layers. And honestly, phenol can be done to the point where it's uh, getting into the deeper levels of your dermis. And it gets quite scary at that point because all bets are off when you start burning down into those layers. What is at high risk is hypopigmentation. So hypopigmentation is no pigment forms there anymore after you're done with that particular procedure. Almost always people who get phenol peels get hypopigmentation and that's a permanent big white blotch on your face. It should be like a big, huge, bolded thing on the consent form before people get a phenol. When you do this peel, there's a very high chance that you will look like you have a massive white spot on your face wherever you go. And yes, okay, women, you can cover it with makeup, but who wants to do that? Like that's how sad is that? And and, and what it indicates, by the way, is that you've so significantly damaged the basal membrane, the DEJ of your epidermis dermis, 
that the melanocytes aren't capable of migrating to that area or just are no longer present. What oftentimes can happen is the phenol burns down and kills all the melanocytes that are lining the hair follicles in that area. So now the backup melanocytes are gone. I think that can be uh, one of the main causes, but in many cases, it seems to be a more superficial scarring, if you will, of that tissue. And then there's the post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation component, which is his own issue and so you have uh, that problem to deal with and then you have the problem of broken capillaries which are essentially the skin creating new blood vessels in the surface near the DEJ because you burned it so bad they're putting extra blood supply there to try to repair it long term so don't buy into what they told me okay I was back in my way back days doing TCA peels and people would develop telangiectasia as they're called or broken capillaries and I'd call the, the maker of the TCA peel and be like what is that is that like oh don't worry that's just revealing it was already there that capillary you just peeled their skin down to a level where now you can see that blood vessel I bought that at the time I'm telling you group think is powerful so I bought that at the time I was like oh okay well I got a laser that can shut that blood vessel so we're all good no you're not that's going to be on our next list. So just know that you doing more aggressive peels only, only increases your chance of long-term scarring. Like you might get PIH that you can't heal. You might get hypopigmentation that almost no one can ever heal. You might get scarring. You might have some, some fat loss. Have I heard? I think I have heard about phenol peels affecting uh, some of the subcutaneous fat, but sort of old school phenol. They used to do some really aggressive phenol back 10, 20 years ago. But yeah, you're, you're going to get these permanent changes that you don't want. So we're through the first five of the absolutely please, please, absolutely not list of how to stay young and how to stay beautiful. I'm telling you guys, the, the holistic medical approach uses the power of your skin, which is the only power we can rely on to do its level best to get you back to square one, to get you back to healthy. And the things that we've talked about to this point are absolutely progressing aging for you. And you don't need that anymore. It's time to make that shift. I promise you there is light at the end of the tunnel. Make the switch before it's too late, before there's a, an accumulation of DNA damage we can't resolve, before there's an accumulation of DEJ damage that we can't resolve. So hang in there and uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining me. Remember to check out my Insta Lives on Osmosis Beauty, Instagram, and well, wherever else I can be found. I'm giving lectures if you're an esthetician listening to this. I'm giving, I'm giving a lot of lectures to help teach you about this new way of doing skin and healing from the inside out. So look for me there. And for everyone else who's listening, thank you for all the kind words. Remember, you can always write me at drben at osmosisbeauty.com. You have direct access to me because I want to help you make the right decisions for you and your family. So let's do that together. Talk to you soon. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Ask Dr. Ben. Please leave a review if you can and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts to get access to all of my upcoming episodes. My website is osmosisbeauty.com and you can find me on Facebook at osmosisbeauty. You can also follow me on Instagram at osmosis underscore beauty. Thanks for listening.